0: Welcome back to the Adorned Podcast. This is episode 93, and today we have a special guest with us, and we're going to discuss the book of Colossians. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Adorned Podcast. We're your hosts, Erin and Casey. We would love for you to come join us each week as we discuss what it means to be made beautiful by God's word. Whether you are a college student walking to class, a mom folding laundry during nap time, or a boss babe sitting in rush hour traffic, we hope that we can encourage and inspire you to pursue a deeper understanding of the Bible. So like I said in the intro, we have a special guest with us today. If you're not familiar with the Adorn Podcast, my name's Casey, and I am normally here with my friend and co-host, Erin, and we walk through different books of the Bible together. We have what we like to call exegetical conversations, and we just discuss scripture and kind of invite you in on that journey with us. But with COVID-19 and all the craziness that's going on, we had a decision to make. We decided we could keep recording and do it remotely, or we could change things up just a little bit for this season. And we decided that it would be neat to do a couple of episodes with our husbands. So today I have Jonathan here, with me. He's going to um, join us and we're going to talk about the book of Colossians. So here's Jonathan.
1: What's up, guys? I'm excited to be here. I'm um, excited to talk about God's word, um, book of Colossians. And yeah, thanks for listening. And thanks for supporting my wife and Aaron and the Adorn podcast. It's exciting.
0: He said guys, but we know that our audience is mostly ladies. He's just used to saying guys, but Anyway, so Erin had the idea, initially we were going to just kind of have a conversation about what our life has looked like during this season with quarantine and some of the pressures surrounding just changes in our lives and things like that. But then Erin had the idea, she said, hey, like, let's do what we normally do and walk through scripture and talk about something that God's been teaching us through his word during this time. and that was kind of difficult for me when I first started thinking about it because God has used a lot of different passages in this season to to um, just show me more of who he is and to bring me peace and comfort and ease my anxiety. And so I was thinking, oh my goodness, like I love that idea, but where do I even start? So Jonathan had mentioned maybe talking about somewhere in Acts um, because we both just, especially in the last year, had on our hearts and our minds um, just some different things about the early church and what God really wants for the church today. So our minds kind of automatically went to Acts. But then through that, as I got thinking about it even more, and I was thinking about Paul and his journeys, and I thought, well, You know, Paul gave a lot of instructions to the early churches through his letters. So I started thinking about his letters and all of a sudden it hit me. I was like, I realized that there was a stint where Paul was on house arrest, much like we're on house arrest in a sense now. Now he was actually arrested during this time. We have not been arrested, even if it may feel like it at certain times, but he was stuck um, in a home too. And so I thought, well, what did his ministry look like during that time? How did Did he minister to these churches that he cared for? How was he able to still be a part of the body of Christ as he was stuck in this home? Um, So I started looking at the letters that he wrote while he was on house arrest. And we ended up at Colossians. He wrote Colossians while he was on house arrest. And Colossians just encompasses a lot of what the Lord has been teaching us during the past, this season in the past um, four or five weeks. So that's kind of where we decided to land. But before we dive into discussing this letter from Paul, let's talk about just briefly what this season has looked like for us, kind of some of the highs and lows and changes and maybe some of the funny moments. I don't know what you got to say about about the last like five weeks.
1: Funny moments start with well. Yesterday, our our youngest, we found her um, in the front yard peeing in the bushes. <laughs> so, so that's funny. <laughs> um, but no, it's it's been a lot of a lot of time, a lot of time at home, um, obviously because we can't go anywhere. Um, a lot of time with family, but it's also I I feel like it's been really good time and really um, quality time where we've somewhat readjusted our mindset and readjusted our just thought process of of what's important how have we been doing life um, what are when when things get back to normal what are some things we want to continue to do that we've always done what are some things we might want to change and so we've been able to really really have some serious time resting in the presence of God and who he is and um, and thinking about what ministry truly means for us as we move forward.
0: When you mention ministry, for those that don't know what you do and what our kind of day-to-day life looks like, we know that this season looks very, very different for every family. And that's one of the reasons Erin and I wanted to do this because as she'll share next week, their household looks very different right now than ours does because nothing has really changed for Taylor's job. So will you break down a little bit about um, what you do and how it's been affected by this?
1: Yeah, so for the past, well, all of all of my adult life and all of our marriage, um, I've been in a more traditional setting of, of church ministry as far as a full-time position at a church. Um, and that has changed recently. And now I'm partnering with and working with an organization called Flourish Creative and we advocate for and empower local artists to produce really awesome and really great art Um, and to do that in community and to cultivate that in community so it's not just individuals creating but it's it's people coming together to create and for the purpose of blessing the city uh, because we believe that when the arts are alive in a city then um, the city is alive. And we, th- we see that as really important. And we've discovered that that's really important, especially during crisis and during um, COVID-19. Like the arts are something that can't be taken away. We can always be creative. We can always think creatively. We can always, um, you know, paint and sing a song or write and those types of things. But how that's changed uh, just just this past year, just with um, what's going on in our in our world, um, is that we've kind of shifted our attention from bringing artists into the studio because we can't really do that, to helping churches and helping people um, get their content out and um, do their content really well because we can come alongside people because we have that experience and really help them. And so we've got some. Uh, luckily, we've kind of we'd kind of set aside this spring to really uh, release some content and some awesome songs and projects that we've already worked on. And so we're in the middle of that. So it's really exciting. It's just kind of perfect timing for us to um, have a, a season of where we we ourselves are being created.
0: I think that's actually been one of my favorite things about this whole season is seeing how these businesses have been able to be really creative in how they continue to to survive during this time. We see coffee shops uh, turning into these little local grocery stores and one of our favorite coffee shops right down the road, like they're actually doing well. We went and got coffee last week and they told Jonathan, they said, yeah, we're actually doing really well selling lunch meat and cheese and eggs and bread. And um, it's just been a really beautiful thing to see the community rally around these small businesses and I feel like it's been the same for Flourish like that very first week a local church reached out to Jonathan right away and said hey dude can you help us um, and so it's been really really a sweet thing um, for me during this time if you've listened in the past you know that we homeschool so um, the schooling part of it has not changed but You also, if you know me at all, you know I love to go and do. We go in Austin all the time. We're at the parks. We're at coffee shops. We're talking to people and just um, getting to know people. And so this season feels very foreign to me. I'm such a people person. I mean, I will go to the big Austin library and I love to sit in the kids section and people watch not as a creepy person but like I love to listen to all the different dialects and see how people interact with their kids and man I've just really been missing that and I miss my friends I miss my kids friends I miss my kids at CC I love to hug them and kiss their heads and I just I'm a touchy-feely person so this has been really hard for me and I feel like some days I wake up really sad um and then some days I wake up okay um And God's been faithful through it all. And I've tried to, um, I've heard this phrase several times during this season to, um, try to not just survive, but actually thrive through this season. And I don't think that means necessarily always being like happy and 100% cheerful. We're going to have those days where we're grieving what we've lost. But I do think it means getting in God's word and praying and, um, just striving to use this time for growth and for um, getting closer to God and knowing more about who he is Um, I've had a lot of very honest conversations with God during this time. And I feel like as a couple, Jonathan and I also have both had a lot of very honest conversations, especially in that first week, that first week of adjustment with him working from home all the time and, um, the kids being here and just kind of figuring out how that looks. So, um, it's definitely been an adjustment all around, but, um, I think there's gonna, we're going to see some really beautiful things come out of this at the end, at least that's my hope and prayer. My my big hope and prayer is for revival. Um, but anyway, I guess we can go ahead and move on to the book of Colossians. I'll go ahead, and yes, we're going to cover the whole book. So this is going to look a little bit different from what Aaron and I normally do. Aaron and I normally read and go verse by verse. This is going to look a little more like what we did back in Genesis, since we're going to cover the whole book today, all four chapters. We're going to kind of go chunk by chunk, and we'll summarize a lot of things. Um, So if you have your Bible, you can open with us. If not, just listen and... um, we hope that you're encouraged by our conversation. So a little bit of background about Colossians. I already said Paul wrote it when he was on house arrest in probably around the year 80-22. Oh, yeah, 62. <laughs> I don't know why I said 22. 62. And Paul actually never visited Colossae, um, the church where he was writing the letter to. The church was founded by Epaphras in the wake of Paul's ministry in Ephesus. He was addressing the heresy um, that Christ wasn't sufficient for salvation. And he was also addressing some other things. Do you want to talk a little bit about that, Jonathan?
1: Yeah, we see that Paul was addressing um, kind of this... And there's different differing views on this, of course, um, but kind of this mysticism um, where people were kind of calling on angels and um, asking angels to help them. It was apart from God and kind of trusting in these little. Um, I, I read something where they had, they had like this thing that they wore around their neck um, for good luck. And so it, it was it was ultimately they were they were not trusting in the sufficiency of Christ. They were um, adding to the gospel. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, that makes complete sense. So that gives you a little bit of background as to where we are, why Paul was writing the letter. it's always interesting to me how he writes these letters to churches that he's never even met. So that's kind of a cool thing that we'll talk about a little bit. Okay, so chapter 1, verses 1 through 14, we see that Paul had a genuine love for his church. And like I said, he's not able to be with them. He hasn't even met most of them, but he's loving them from afar with prayers and through this letter. And I just saw as I was reading through this and listening to this, I I just kept thinking, man, Paul really gets what it means to be the church. He's loving these people from afar, even though he can't physically be there. He is doing everything he can to meet their needs and to love them from afar. So it just, it made me stop and think for a minute. I know this is really quickly into, into this discussion, but it made me think, how can we practically be the church during this season? And I think that's something we've all kind of been wrestling with a little bit because it's hard. You, you, um, want to abide by the The rules and stay home as much as possible and practice social distancing and all of that. But at the same time, we are still called to be the church. So I was just thinking, how can we still be the church during this time? And I saw a really good example just yesterday. There's a lady in our church that needed a mailbox. And one of the men from our church went and put that mailbox up. And it's just real practical because she's used to going to the post office to get her mail and she can't do that right now. And so she's never had a mailbox. And just a really, really practical thing. It wasn't, he didn't have to break any rules by going out and putting her up her mailbox. He kept his distance. But it showed her practical love, helped her stay safe. I thought that was just a beautiful picture of how to be the church. Do you have any examples or any thoughts of things we can do? Um,
1: yeah, I don't, I don't know if I have any examples, but my initial thought is, and, I, and Paul ends up talking about it um, later in Colossians, but it it comes down to love um, and it comes down to God has created all of us uniquely to love in different ways and in different capacities. And so for, for one person, you know, putting up a mailbox may be the worst thing you could probably possibly do because that mailbox is going to fall over in two minutes. Um, but for another person, you, you know, putting up a mailbox is, is how they're made to serve and built to serve. You know, for some people it's, it's writing cards or phone calls, Casey had an idea for our family yesterday or a couple of days ago. Um, just how can we love people around us? How can we be the church to people when the church can't gather? And, and it was, Hey, let's go plant. Let's, let's plant some flowers and deliver the flowers to people um, so they can just have some joy in this season. And I thought that was really cool. And that's a way that God has gifted her to think how to practically love people and be the church.
0: Yeah. And I think it's hard during this season. I mean, it's hard during every season, but it's especially hard right now where our only, one of our only windows to the outside world is social media. And so we can again, get in that game of comparison. How, how is this person showing their love versus how is this person showing their love? And so I think Jonathan had a really good point that we need to do what Aaron and I have talked about so many times before we need to stay in our lane. We need to see how has God gifted us to to love and serve those around us. And it might even be just within our home to our own children, to our own spouse. And that's okay right now too. I mean, they're they're a part of your community. They're a part of your church and, and that's okay too. Another thing that I liked that Paul said um, was he was encouraging towards Epaphras. He was talking to this church about how amazing their pastor was. And I think that's just an important reminder for us to encourage our, our pastors, especially during this time, because this has been such a transition for them. They love their people. They want to shepherd their people and um, they're doing the best they can, the best they know how. And so I think encouragement toward pastors is very, very important. I just wanted to read this, this um, verse. This is verse 9. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. I love how he just, he prays. He prays hard for this church that he, he genuinely loves.
1: Paul seems really concerned with what they're filling their minds with. Um, he, he says it, You're just, we're going to see it. And I, it was like the first thing I noticed just reading through Colossians is how many times Paul says knowledge or spiritual wisdom. Um, and so he's really concerned about what the church is filling their minds with so that they grow into maturity and don't just continue continue drinking milk when they should be eating full meals. And he says knowledge, he says spiritual wisdom and understanding, knowledge of God. It's probably important because he says it a lot.
0: Yep, that repetition's important. We'll see another word that he repeats several times here in a minute. So moving on to verses 15 through 23, here we see this section where Paul talks a lot about the supremacy of Christ. And especially in this season, I've just, I've seen over and over, I feel like God's been telling me, like, look to Jesus, look to Jesus. Like, keep your eyes focused on him.
1: Yeah, and I think, I mean, Paul says in this passage that christ is the head i think that's hard for me a lot of times i'm sure it's hard for all of all of you guys all of you ladies and guys because i know there's some guys listening right now (laughs) like i feel like a lot of times we want to make christ or i will say personally i want to make christ the feet i want jesus to take me where you want to take me you know Give me the opportunities. Lead me to the places. And then I'm going to take over from there. I'm going to do the rest. But when, when, no, that's that's not what Christ is. Christ is the head. Christ is in control. Um, he is supreme. He is ruling not only creation, but he's ruling and should be my my ruler and my Lord as well.
0: Yeah, it's, it's so hard to remember that Jesus is the head. Like you said, I think we sometimes put him as the feet or the hands or any other body part other than the head and so yeah that's good um moving on to verses 24 through 29 this section right here is about discipleship, and JT English has a really, really good sermon on this that we will link in the resources, and it was all about just these five verses um, and talking about just how important discipleship is Without uh, within the church, and Paul is exhorting this church in Colossians to, to implement discipleship, essentially, but um, in verse 25, it says, let me find it, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. So JT said in his sermon that that means embedded in our guts. Like, it is just a part of who we are. And he kept reminding us over and over in that in that sermon that we are an active part of God's story. And we need to act like that. Like we're not an audience. We don't need to just sit back and expect everybody else to do the work. We don't need to just say, okay, like, well, um, you know, we got a hundred people were saved during this event. So that's all. And like wash our hands of it. No, like we are to be disciples, like we are to be teaching other people and helping them come to mature faith in Christ. Like you said, like not this milk faith, like a mature faith. And that's just so very important. So yeah, that's what this this little section's about.
1: Yeah, and then in 129 he says this, which I love this passage. It says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom. There's that word wisdom again. Um that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. So Paul says, for this reason I toil. What reason? It's to present everyone mature in Christ. Um, Paul could have said, hey, I toil so that you know we can have Everyone on earth saved, or we can have decisions and baptisms and salvation. Um, But that's not what he says. His goal is, while those things are great and those things are good, and we should strive for those things. His goal was maturity in Christ. And in that, in that sermon that Casey mentioned, J.T. says, which I so wish this was my quote. um, (laughs) He says, if the church is full of people who have made decisions for Christ but have failed to become mature disciples of Christ then we have failed. And so even for me, like in our family, if our kids are people who've made decisions for Christ, but are not becoming mature and growing in maturity of Christ, then that's on us. We're the disciplers and they're the disciples.
0: Well, that's convicting. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's good. Good word. So moving on to chapter two, verses one through 15, this is a section where Paul is warning against false teachers and deceit. So kind of like we were talking about when uh, we were talking about the history of the the book and kind of what Paul's purpose in writing it was, and Jonathan was talking about how they were worshiping like these angels and kind of bringing these things in on top of the sufficiency of Christ. That's so that's what Paul's saying here. And the way that he says to defend yourself against these false teachers, I think is just um, so profound and just something that we don't think about very often, but he says to defend yourself with thankfulness. And once again, we've listened to several good sermons on this. Once again, there's a really good John Piper sermon on this from 1985. And as I was like preparing, I was looking in my Bible and had all these notes and I was like, where did these notes come from? And I told Jonathan, I said, I think this was from a Piper sermon. And he was like, Hell, you okay. And I was like, I don't know. I just feel like it is. So finally I found it online and sure enough, it was from 1985 and I had listened to it for our spiritual disciplines episode on gratefulness and or gratitude Um, So it goes along with that. So I've actually referred to this sermon before, but it's just crazy because I have really seen this firsthand during this season. When we first started quarantine and when um, the coronavirus really like got into the United States and started affecting us, it was right in the middle of Lent. And for Lent this year, our church, and I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but we were doing this um, gratitude journaling kind of and where you list every day different things that you're grateful for and I just thought I was like god like you're so funny like how how cool is it that we've already been practicing this discipline of every single day thinking of certain things that we're grateful for and then you take all of the things away (laughs) and so we're still supposed to be coming up with like 12 things a day that we're thankful for and yet we've been stripped of so much and it really did just help center my heart it helped keep those false messages from sneaking in, especially at the beginning where there was so much fear and uncertainty and so many decisions that had to be made and so much information out there. And just having this attitude of gratitude, just it, I really did see how it could be um, a defense in, in times like that and really in our everyday.
1: And I've never really thought about that. I've never thought about thankfulness and being grateful as defense weapons. Um, until until this season, and I, I was thinking about it, and I was like, you know, thankfulness and complaint, like the two opposites, they can't live in the same environment. If we're if we're thankful, if 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 we're increasing in thankfulness, then our complaining automatically decreases. On the flip side, if we're increasing in complaining, then our thankfulness automatically decreases, and so that's where we get to make the choice of. What are we going to fill up with? What's going to increase? What's going to decrease?
0: Verses 16 through 23, um, they're basically saying, stop worrying about what others are telling you to do and focus on Jesus. I liked these verses right here. This is 18 through 19. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up about puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God so we see again referring to the head and focusing on that and yeah I mean that's been a struggle for me especially I mean it's always is if you know me at all you know I worry about whether others think about me but especially during this season because you know, everybody has an opinion (laughs) about what we all should be doing. And I've just, you know, I've, I've even told my mom at times, like, maybe we shouldn't put that on social media because so and so might say something or think something. And she's like, hey, see, you can't worry about that. You know? Um, so this is a good reminder for me.
1: And then he keeps going. Um, verse 20, if with Christ, you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. According to human precepts and teachings, these things have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion. Paul is saying like these things that they're doing, they were kind of earthly things that had the appearance of really good wisdom to their, to their culture. And so he's, he's not saying that some of those things were necessarily, necessarily bad, but our faith is not built on what we do how many rules we have and how many rules we obey. Our confidence is not in ourself, but it's in Christ. And so that just kind of begs the question in this passage, like are we, have we created a self-made religion? Like have we created our confidence on the things that we, the rules that we obey and the things that we do, even though those are might seem really great to the world um, or is our confidence solely in Christ.
0: Yeah, this is hard for me because I'm a rule follower and I don't know if that's a two thing or not. I think it is to some extent because I think we care about what others think about us and we care about pleasing others and so we want to please the people that made the rules. But so I'm guilty of this and I've realized this especially recently just that sometimes we can turn those rules that were meant for our good in into little religions. Like uh, we forget what the purpose behind those rules are. And it's more about um, checking things off a box versus living um, in the truth of, of Jesus and what he came here to do for us.
1: And then continuing on in chapter 3, Paul talks about putting on the new self. He says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of a God. Set your minds on things that are above, not things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And so this whole idea of this new self, he's hes basically just saying, are you raised with Christ? Have you been raised with Christ? Do you have a believing faith in Jesus? If so, then seek him. Like, period. Just seek him. Um, and then he says, how? Well, how? We set our minds on the things that are above not on earth. And that's where, like we talked about at the beginning, going back to knowledge, going back to wisdom, going back to our minds. Paul is so concerned with where we're what we're thinking about um, that that he ties it to being part of the new self is, is where is your mind? Are you thinking about heavenly, godly things or are you thinking about earthly things? Um, and our temptation is to keep the earthly things in front of us, things we can't control, therefore building this self-made confidence. Um, like I feel like Paul is almost yelling in this passage and just yelling, stop, 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 stop trying to do, trying to seek, trying to worry about all these silly things. If you are in Christ, then seek Christ, seek his kingdom and keep your mind on him. What, what does this passage mean for us then in this season? Um, who or what has our mind's attention? Is it Jesus? Is it politics? Is it, COVID-19, um, I'll let you answer that.
0: Yeah, so if we move on a little bit, verse 5 says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and covetous, covetousness, <laughs> which is idolatry. And so I was reading this, and I was like, oh, man, this is the probably the very first thing I feel like, well, this and thankfulness kind of came at the same, the same time, but... Um, whenever all of this started and God just started really working on my heart, I feel like one of the very first things was him saying, okay, like, now you're going to put away your idols. And I was like, God, like, I don't have any idols. And I actually have a friend that said something like that. in a text message to me that said, you know, God was making her put away all of her little idols. And I was like, Oh, and she read some verses from Exodus or sent me some verses from Exodus. And I was like, Oh goodness, maybe I do have some idols. And so, As I was thinking about it and I was realizing what I was so upset about, like things like my girls dance classes and, um, restaurants that we liked going to and going to Waco and the silos and just all of these things that I love so much. They're not bad in and of themselves and it's okay to enjoy those things. And like I said earlier, it's okay to grieve the loss of not having those things in our lives right now. But, um, I think A lot of those things I was elevating and putting above God in my life and, um, focusing on those things more than I was focusing on God and his word. And so I feel like he, he was saying to me in this season, like, I'm taking these away. If you're not going to put these, um, aside for me, I'm going to put these aside. And I keep thinking about the song. Jonathan did an early two thousands worship night back like a month ago and, um, one of my favorite songs I had kind of forgotten about was give us clean hands. It's a mercy me song. And I just keep playing this over and over in my head through this whole season. It says, give us clean hands, give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. And God, let us be a generation that seeks, that seeks your face. Oh God of Jacob. And, I got teary eyed when we were singing it that night because I can't tell you how many times we sang this as like teenagers and we would just, you know, pray out to God, like, God, let us be a generation that truly seeks your face. Like we wanted that. We longed for that. And it's like, we, we were saying like, God, let us put you above everything else. And, and in a way it feels like he's answering that prayer. You know, he's, he's saying, okay, like I'm it, like everything else is gone Put me above everything else. This prayer that you prayed as a teenager, like keep praying it now and actually act on it. Like it's it's my decision. Like I can choose to put him first and to seek his face over anything else. And so, um, like I said, this this whole book, Colossians, just encompasses so much that God's been teaching us in this season. So this is hard. This is hard truth, but good truth.
1: Yeah, I love that you mentioned that song because that's like one of my all-time favorite songs. Um, But it's interesting too because that song starts with the words, "We bow our hearts, we bend our knees. Oh Spirit, come make us humble." um, With what you're talking about, and so, like, I feel it's like this is a time where the Spirit is coming and making us humble, taking away, taking away those idols. Yeah, forced, like a forced humility or um, even a forced Sabbath for people that are not spending that time. Um, so yeah, that's, that's really great. Um, and then three, five, five through nine, it talks about putting off, put off the old self. If we're to live in Christ and let's, let's get rid of the old things that we once, once walked in. And Paul gives, um, we can all read this on our own, but Paul gives a big list of What did we what are we used to walk in that we're we're trying to walk in again um, and and we don't need to be. Um, And then and then in three three ten, he goes into really the the meat of of the new self. Um, And he says, having put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge. There's knowledge again. After the image of its creator here, there's no Greek and Jew circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian slave free. But Christ is all and in all. Christ is it, then if Christ is it, put on then as chosen ones, you're holy, you're beloved, put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. Um, and, And ultimately he's saying put on love. So with this list that Paul gives us, I thought it'd be fun to talk, Casey and I talk about which one of these things that Paul says about the new self that we're the worst at, um, and that our spouse is the best at, and so I want to hear what I'm the best at. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I will say this. I'll, I'll say let's say what we're worst at first, and then we'll say each each other's best. at. We won't say what we're best at because that's not right. That's going back to the old self, and we don't want to do that. Um, well, I'm bad at a lot of these, but I think I'm the worst at compassion. I I think compassion. I str- I struggle with compassion. Um, like. I can help people, I can give to people, I can I can do all those things, but like truly having compassion, I'm just like suck it up, <laughs> which is terrible. Um but, you know, that's me.
0: For me, um my very first answer was definitely patience. Um I appear very patient but on the inside I'm screaming and my kids, I don't always necessarily appear patient with my kids (laughs) because they're closest to me. You're closest to me. So I'm not always super patient with you, but I appear to be super patient with other people. Um, but I'm not always internally patient. And that's something that I've struggled with for a very long time. And I feel like I have gained ground on, like I have gotten better. Um, but I'm especially not patient if I'm hungry. If I'm hungry and tired, I'm just not patient at all. So, yeah, that would definitely, definitely be my struggle and something that I'm always praying for, even though they say don't pray for patience, which could be my problem.
1: What am I the best at?
0: He's been waiting for this. <laughs> fun. Is fun on the list? <laughs> my dear seven husband. No, fun's not on the list. So, I would say that actually he's best at patience. Um, yeah, one of the most patient people I know. I have rarely seen him lose his temper. Um, I feel like more in the last year, not not as like a fault, but just as a um, – like our relationship as our relationship gets deeper and as we are closer and more genuine with each other I think that um, I have seen okay like he's not perfect like he can lose his temper sometimes but that's still a very very rare thing and um, the patience he has with our crazy girls and um, you know Working in ministry isn't always easy. The patience that he has with people that I would have just gotten so frustrated with. Um, so, yeah, you're extremely patient, my dear.
1: Oh, thank you. It's funny because you said you're the worst at patience. And then you said I'm the best at patience, which I'll receive that. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I said I'm the worst at compassion. But I say that... You're the best at compassion, and I think I think that's one of Casey's qualities is compassion. I think it's um, having the having the innate ability to see people's hearts and to see um, beyond beyond the facade and beyond um, their their junk and 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 how it's coming out in life and really see like the core of their heart and and meet like true needs of people. Um, And that's, that's something that I would love to be able to do and to see in people. And it takes me like four years to see that in someone when you see it in like four seconds. And so that's, that's huge compassion. Moving on verse three, 14 and above all these, he says, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Is that like from the trolls movie? I'm trying to take a where that's from.
0: It sounds like it could be. It sounds so great. Sounds so great. Um, and I think that's what our hearts are longing for. And it sounds so easy. It's like just love and it'll be perfect harmony. But as we know, that's not always easy. And as I was reading this, um, I thought about the verse it's in first John's perfect love, cast out fear. And I think a lot of us are dealing with a lot of fear right now and just resting in that love and that love will, um, bring peace and harmony. And that sounds like such a hippie thing, but it's right here in the Bible. So we'll go with it.
1: Yeah. Three three, uh, through 17, um, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. He, it, it Paul's kind of just talking about how we're a people of peace um, and we're a people of thanksgiving. So people of peace and people of thanksgiving. And then it's kind of a, a unique shift here. And he talks about psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Um, and and let's, let me read this whole passage. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful... Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And like I said, it's it's a passage where he's saying we're a people of peace and a people of thanksgiving. Um, And I love this passage. Of course, I'm, I am have been a worship leader for a long time in, in my life, and I love to lead worship at churches and for people and with our family and all sorts of things. And I, I love this passage because a lot of times when we think of what it means to worship God and approach God, we think of it as um, just me and God. And it's like this one way, just me and God. It's like this vertical aspect of worship. And, and Paul is actually... Going against that a little bit and saying, um, let the word of Christ drill in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So we're to sing psalms and hymns and songs to each other. And so as we gather, which we can't do right now in corporate worship, um, so as you gather in with your families on Sunday morning and, and you watch, you have streaming online or or doing your own worship service at home, it's not just you and God, but we're the, the things that we're singing and saying to God, the prayers that we're praying are also for the people next to us. So it's this horizontal aspect of the gathered church in worship too, that's really that's really unique and gives us um gives us the view of that that's important to to think about. The the things that we're saying and the things that we're singing to God are are being caught on by the people next to us and And maybe they're having a bad day and they need to hear those things and they can't quite muster up the strength to say those things to God. But you saying those things um, is worship for them.
0: I love it. And again, in those verses, we see the word Thanksgiving several times, which um, just like the word wisdom and knowledge stands out to us in these passages. Again, we're seeing Thanksgiving, too. Um, Verses 318 through 4, 5. There's further instructions on walking in love. Colossians 3 23 says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. So who are we striving to please? Once again, I feel like it keeps circling back to this. Are we striving to please men? or Are we striving to please God? And I'm going to read four, two through six to you. It says continually... Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving, thanksgiving again. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So, again, how are we using our time? That's one of the things that stood out to me. Also, just is our speech gracious? Are we gracious with those in our houses right now? Are we gracious with those on social media? That has been something that has been so heartbreaking to me during all of this is just seeing the divisiveness and seeing how mean people are um, to each other online and I mean, I know that we don't all agree with everything, but our speech should still be gracious. We are, we're supposed to be showing Jesus to others. And if we're not saying something that Jesus would say, we probably should not be saying it. And so those are some things that stood out to me in those verses.
1: And then he gives some final greetings here. And this kind of closes down the book. Um, it's a really short book. And so hope that... You are all you've you've all read through this as we've, as we've kind of talked to talked through it, um, and if you haven't, go read through it because it's an incredible book, honestly. Um, and so, it, it, two things uh, in just in this final greeting section, this is chapter four. Um, there's three people, I think three or four people that he he mentions that have been a comfort to him in prison, and I just thought that was really interesting um, because he he mentioned those people and was talking about how he was comforted. And it just it got me thinking, who can we be a comfort to in this season? So we're not in prison, um, or I hope we're not in prison. Um, it, but you might feel like you're in prison because we're in quarantine, as Casey said earlier. And, and who, who can we be a comfort to? Is there, is there someone in our life that, that we know is, is struggling right now, that's lonely right now? Who do we need to call, text, give to, love on? And that goes back to the original question that um, – Casey asked was, how do we be the church? Um, Who do we need to give comfort to? And then he says one last thing at the very, very end of the chapter. And he says, remember. He says, "What, what do we remember? Remember my chains. So he's telling the church, remember my chains. Remember that I have been imprisoned and I have been suffering for the sake of the gospel. And so my prayer for us, and I think... I can speak for both of us, that our prayer for us in this season is to not forget this moment, not forget 2020, not forget um, the great pandemic that we'll probably call it. Um, and however the world changes, whatever the new normal is, there will eventually be a new normal. It won't be like it was, but it will it will be normal again. And when we get tempted to just live in normalcy um, five years down the road, 10 years down the road, whatever it is. Let's, let's not forget. Let's remember these chains right now that we, that we might be feeling as chains right now. Let's remember all that God has taught us through this season, and let's not, let's not forget his faithfulness and forget his goodness um, and, and the things that, that we have shifted and, and the things that we have changed because God has showed us how where our heart needs to change. Let's not forget those. Let's remember that.
0: Join us back here next week, or join Aaron and Taylor back here next week as they share a little bit about what God's been teaching them during this season.
1: Can I do the outro music? <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: This episode, please feel free to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes, and most importantly, share with a friend. The beautiful music that you've heard on this episode.